Welcome to Deborah's Corporate Heart Talk. I am Deborah Abdusalaam. This is the podcast for the underdogs. That's right, where we explore career woes and wins. My guests and I share our corporate journey as working class professionals in British establishments. And along the way, we have some fun. Let's get into it and welcome to Deborah's Corporate Heart Talk. Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of DCHT. It's me, Deborah, <laughs> and I'm back with another episode. Hi guys, hope you've had a really great week. Um, like I always say, you know, I love networking, I love meeting people, and on this episode, I'm just so excited. <laughs> Because I have a very, very special guest on my show today. I know I say special every time, but this is extremely special because my guest today is somebody that I really feel indebted to. I just feel like they've helped my career to an extent. It's that deep for me. I feel like if I didn't meet them, I might just be doing some temping receptionist role here and there. This is how strong I feel about this person. So today I'm recording this um, episode at their office, um, an office in Kent, and we've actually never met. We've had so many um, emails, phone calls, help, literally anything happens to me from a career perspective, they are the per- the first person I'm sending an email to, I'm sending a text message to. So it's a great honour for me to have them on the podcast today. So... This episode is basically going to be about technology, you know, working in technology and also about thinking about getting support. I've gotten support from my guests today and they will just coach me, they will give me tips, they will give me advice. So today we're talking about the world of technology, one, and secondly, we'll also touch upon about getting the right support, you know, speaking to the right people to really help your career move forward. I'm not going to go too long because you know me, I love to do my long introduction and just talk and talk and talk. I'm just going to go right into it. So on this special episode, please welcome my very special guest, Teresa Dorrant. Well, firstly, Deborah, what an introduction. Wow. As I just said, you made me feel quite tearful. Um, it's actually an honour and a privilege that you've asked me to speak with you today. So thank you very much. Okay, the thing about DCHT, Teresa, mm-hmm. <laughs> is that we like to hear stories, okay. really intimate stories. Like, for instance, how was your school life? Um, I have to say I was a little bit geeky at school. I was a nerd. Wasn't geeky. <laughs> geeky is the new call. Like... <laughs> I know, but back then it wasn't. Um, a little bit older than you, so <laughs> it, it, was, it was hard. But I was probably one of the few rare people that actually absolutely loved school. I loved what it represented. I, Loved the, the opportunities that it gave me. Mm-hmm. Um, I excelled at maths and sciences, um, but I have to confess, I was a little bit of a loner um, in the playground. I'd rather be heading a book than than playing with the boys. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I have to confess, I I did have a fab time at school. I loved it. And where was school? Where did you grow up? So I grew up in Swanley. I went to school in Swanley. Um, yeah, not really much to tell. I got to my A-levels, having had a, an absolute blast. I kind of rebelled a little bit when I got to the age of 17 and 18. Really? As everyone does, you know, you sort of find, you, find yourself, so off you go and sort of discover a bit more about yourself. 
Um, but I think at that point, I just decided I'd much rather go out and gain real world experience than sort of spend another three or four years in university. Um, so I just wanted to. Oh, so you didn't go to uni? No, no. absolutely not. Oh my no. gosh. I know a lot. You know, I, I had all the grades, I had my place secured, but I just decided it wasn't for me. Did you wish sometimes? Did you wish that? Um, I suppose over the years I've, I've looked back occasionally and thought, what if? But I'm, I'm also somebody who, who kind of lives by having no regrets. Mm. The reason I made the decision not to go was because at that moment in time it wouldn't have been right for me. Um, I never live with regrets. I'm quite happy with the decision that I didn't go to university. university. In fact, I probably wouldn't be running a business if I'd gone to university. Yeah. And and I love I love the fact that I run a business. You know, I love the fact that we've got guys working for us that we've watched come from you know similar backgrounds, but gone to university, being told perhaps they're not going to amount to anything, and we've helped nurture them into who they are today. And I would yeah. not have done that if I'd gone to uni. Okay. Um. So I remember one of the one of my fond memories about growing up is just having that first day at work. Yeah. You know, I remember, you know, one of my friends, she actually got her first job in this area. Yeah. And I remember I would call her, be like, oh my God, do you have a desk? Do you have a computer? She's like, yes, <laughs> I've got everything. So tell us about maybe your first ever job well, and how you got it. Funny enough, my first job was equally here in this town. So I started and ended up, I've been all around, um, you know, I've worked in Reading, I've worked in Lewisham, um, worked in Bromley and all sorts. You know, fairly local, but I started my very first job in a mobile telephone shop, and oh. I think that's what got me into technology. I yeah. absolutely loved it. Um, I love what it represented. I couldn't afford a mobile phone myself, but I loved the fact that I was working with technology. It's funny you you could afford it, but I met a ten year old the other day, and he had an iPhone six. I and know, I that's crazy. And I said, "Oh, this is a really nice phone," and he goes, "Yeah, my friends have got iPhone 8. I said, yeah. and you're all 10 years old. <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. I mean, they take it for granted. I mean, at the age of two, they can swipe left oh, and yeah, right. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, it's funny you said you got your first job here, because one of, I, I got my first job here. Did you? Yeah, yeah. I used to work for Primark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. In retail, in retail. Um, so I'm always very also interested in um, how we get our first job. So how did you get that job? Did you just apply? Because back then, did you have to write letters or... Oh. <laughs> yes, it was a fax machine. Do <laughs> you even know what they are these days? Um, what is that? I, I literally pounded the pavement with my CV and just went into every shop and delivered a letter to them. That was it. That was the way of doing it back then. Um, I made myself busy. I offered to do the cheapest jobs that they had available if it meant just getting work experience. I had a huge amount of rejection mm. at the time. Um, but eventually somebody said, yeah, we'll give you a go because you've got the gumption to come in here and actually ask face-to-face for work. And, uh, yeah, that was it. So it, it wasn't easy because um, I said I didn't go to university and stuff like that. But I think I was just more of a doer. I was determined and that probably came came across, really, I think. More about attitude than anything. Attitude, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that as well. I think when you have a can-do attitude, it actually over over... Yeah. Overrides everything. God, we can teach skills, but it's hard to teach attitude. Attitude, yeah. Um, okay, so what we'll do, we'll come back and we'll talk about maybe when you had a bit of a U-turn and from working mm. in a shop and how you really just started in the corporate world. Yeah, yeah. yeah
Hi guys, we're back and I'm still here with Teresa. Um, it's been very interesting. We've been talking about work and just growing up and how school life was. And one of the things that Teresa just said is she really likes math and science, which in my world, that's rare. Okay. I don't meet people that like math and science because that's a double threat. That's <laughs> like, how did you, like, how? How did you love math and science? And it just reminds me of um, Indian figures. <laughs> Have you watched it in figures? Uh, no, I haven't. Have you I won't go out and watch it. Yeah, um, well, some of you don't know it in figures. It's about you know the, some of the site, the, the some of the main women which who helped America get to space and oh, did all the calculation. Okay. And enough. basically, they are like the black women. But a lot back then in the sixties, there was a lot of segregation. And what mm-hmm. they would do, they'll put them to the other side of the campus. Yeah, but I they were doing the key right. stuff. They were doing the key calculations, but. No one yeah. took notice of them. But in the film, what I loved about it, and I think you can link this to everyday life in tech, is that at some point, it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, who you've been, can you do the job? Yeah, absolutely. And I think with math and science, this is what we get. You know, when I see techie people and developers, I'm like, oh, they are the god. Oh, yes. <laughs> and that's <laughs> still true today. <laughs> they are definitely the god. Um, oh, oh, okay. Well, I probably was one of the auditors. Um, one of very few girls in the classes with science and maths. But what can I say? I mean, maths for me is, that you know when you've got something right because the numbers are right. Yeah. You know, it's very logical. Um, there's no grey area. Could it be right? Could it be wrong? You know absolutely without a doubt when the numbers add up, yeah. you've got it right. And I think from a science point of view, just a very inquisitive nature. Yeah. I'd be one of those children growing up with going, why, Daddy? Why, Daddy? Why does it do this? Why does it do that? And oh my after God. Like the 20th time in a row, he'd be wanting to like, send me off into the garden. So it's, it's just inbred within me to be inquisitive. And I think science lends very well to that. And technology is not really that much of a leap from that science part of my brain that just wants to know more. How can... How can it evolve? How can it deliver more for the people around us? Yeah. What can it do? What's its capabilities? I mean, you mentioned science. I go and watch Professor Brian Cox because I just love the, <laughs> Wow. You know, I just love what science and, and what technology can do for us. It's amazing. I'm very passionate about technology. I mean, you read about mobile phones that can be converted into a piece of medical equipment that is sending real-time data back to a hospital where people can analyse that data for people that are out in the middle of conflict. Mm. I mean, it's just amazing. A mobile phone could be turned into a medical device that's going to save someone's life. Astounds me. And I just love what it can do. It does. How did you translate that passion to your career? Um, Well, I suppose when I'd had enough of retail, because... You know, as you do. <laughs> I mean, I, I did love, I, mean, I did enjoy retail to a certain extent, um, but I've always wanted to move into to something else, I suppose, a, a, little, a little bit more that would advance my career. And um, there was a point in time when I just thought I had to just quit my job, I had nothing to go to. Okay. Um, so it was a, a, a big sort of leap of faith at that moment in time. So I had, I had a job where I was without a job rather for about three months. Okay. I just knew... That's that, nothing. <laughs> no, no, it isn't. And I, we are going back quite a number of years ago. So at the time, that felt like a big gap oh. um, because jobs were probably a little bit more easier to come by, in all fairness. Um, so it, it felt like a big chunk of time out. But I just thought... I didn't have a job to go to. That wasn't what I'd always done. I'd always had another job lined up before I left one. But I just thought I had, I had to go and find 
my true calling. Didn't quite work out that way, has to be said. I found mm. myself working in a property management company and that was sort of my big step into working within a bit more of a corporate setting. I started to work my way up through management and they used this old antiquated technology system. It's a system called Heathmill at the time, you know, press S for save, D for delete. If you press the wrong button, everything would go blank. Okay. You had to call the IT department. It would take a week to sort it out, that kind of setup. And... Um, when I started there, I didn't even know how to switch a computer on. Wow. I had to look at the person next to me to see what button you pushed. Oh, wow. Um, but a couple of years on, on the job, they decided to upgrade their technology system. They wanted someone to go in and help with the requirements gathering. And I just absolutely got the bug. I loved it. Really? I loved the system. I loved bit, you know, what it represented, what it could do, how it could improve efficiency. And being a numbers person, tick those boxes. Yeah. I was curious from my science background, so I wanted to know everything that it could do and how it worked. And eventually just started to pick it apart. And um, I was conveniently given the administrator log into it as a super user, and I started to tweak it and work with it and helped them to build the system. And I, I just got the bug from there. Mm-hmm. From that point onwards, I loved technology. Mm-hmm. Absolutely loved it, yeah. That's interesting. And it's it's quite awesome that you said that, because when I... So I'll share a little story how I met Teresa. <laughs> So okay. I was just online one day and I just met her and she was recruiting for a tech like a tech role. And just from what she just said, and I love when people um, practice what they preach, the moment she started speaking to him, she said, oh, go on iTunes, type in, you know, this system and go on it and look at this and read this and do that. And I was like, oh, okay, is it that easy? And just from what you advised me, you know, earlier on, back then, you've done it before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the only way you, I could advise. You've is by done, it. I've done it. You know, I've done it. I've been there. You've done it before. And um, I think that's good. Yeah. So when you then, so you basically, you, you took it on. You adopted yeah. this and you took it on. And you, how was that for you? Because you'll think about it. Because for me, I just think that was not your, you didn't go to uni. Yep. You didn't learn computer. Back then, it's no, you know, no you computer, computer science. Or computer science. Yeah. So... How did, did you do any professional courses along the line? Did you just learn on the job? It was all self-taught. I Again, I'm good at research, I suppose. I, if I don't know something, I want to go out and find out about it. Um, I will ask people questions. I mean, again, going back to me as the five-year-old, asking my dad why, 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 I just I got nosy. And mm. thankfully, I didn't annoy the, the IT person that came in too much, that he was happy to just sort of sit and talk to me, and I'd ask him to show me the system and... I'd just ask if I could try stuff out myself and he'd give it a go. And say, mm. yeah. So I, I suppose in a way I was very fortunate that I was given that opportunity to sort of be let loose on their system a little bit. Mm. But I think also I would communicate why I was making the changes that I was making as well as before I went ahead and done them. So yeah. they knew I wasn't going to go in and just mess everything up. But yeah, I mean, it, it's just it was quite empowering actually at the time because there weren't many people that they gave access to. Yeah. And um, I probably I was the only one that managed to negotiate the super user access yeah. at the whole company. Other company. Yeah, out of the whole company. Okay, so just from the aspect of this IT guy coming in and showing you, yeah. in your life back then, so did you have anybody who, because you know right now, we're living in a world of information. Oh, yeah. You go online, there's someone teaching you how to become a mom, someone teaching you how to ask for a rate, someone teaching you how to do this. Back then, did you have somebody that you would go to? Like maybe did you have 
a Teresa, like, I feel like I have a Teresa. <laughs> but did you have somebody that you would go to? I didn't, actually, no. No, I think that's one of the things I now do what, what I do, because that was that was a massive learning curve back then. I didn't come from an IT background. As I said, when I first started that job, I didn't even know how to switch a, a PC on. Yeah. That's how naive I was around technology. Yeah. Um, and I felt so proud of what I had accomplished when... You know, I'd helped to create this system for for the whole company, mm. um, but it was all it was all self-taught, and that and did it you made me feel amazing. Actually, I felt really good off the back of that. It gave me so much confidence that I could go and do that. Yeah. Did you do that with your day-to-day job? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I would uh, stay late to do it. I'd work at the weekends if I had to. Um, I did sort of shifts there anyway, so Saturdays could be incredibly slow and boring. Um, so rather than sit there twiddling my thumbs and reading a book, I would actually make myself busy on the system because it just was a good way of filling time. Okay. So you could say that was like your U-turn. Yeah. Where you thought, oh my God, computers, science, yeah, math. Yeah, absolutely. This is how I can translate it. Yeah. Okay. So let's just talk a little bit about, you know, now we have a lot of conversations about gender, gender, um, gender pay gap, oh, not right. enough women in tech, not enough mums in our work. Back then... Mm-hmm. Compared to now, what what would you say the differences are? Um, like were there a lot of women doing those roles back then? Yeah, I mean, I I wasn't. I mean, bear in mind that wasn't a technology role at the time because yeah. I was people management. Yeah. Um, so the technology side of things, it was a little bit of a sideline just yeah. because I was interested in it. Um, but the company that I worked for at the time, there was again, I was one of very few women in the management. I mean, probably okay. would say 95% of the company, the management positions were all men. So I was quite a minority at the time. Wages, I know that there was a gap in the wages. I certainly know the person that had very same position as me that was a man was probably on about 10 grand more than I was mm-hmm. at the time. It was a massive difference. And I had to fight for, my pro- like for the promotions and that, so it was, it, mm. it was quite hard. And whilst I want to say... We've come a long way. Mm. Not a whole lot has changed. Yeah. I think we're having more awareness that women, that, that, that there is this gap in salaries and that maybe not as many jobs will offer for women. I think technology, whilst there aren't that many women in technology, I think the salaries and the positions are there for them. Yeah. It's just a shame that more women don't go into it. Yeah. And I don't know whether that's because potentially they see it as a male-dominated environment yeah. or whether it's just because of childcare normally falls on mum to do that. Yeah. And sometimes technology roles don't fit in with having children. I don't agree with that. Mm. We recruit um, mums here who work three days a week. They make it work between them. Yeah. It's not a problem. So I think that we as organisations could be doing more yeah. to help with that. Well... The whole mom debate, I, I, I just move away from it a, a lot because I, I, I always believe that we're just we're not we're just we're not touching the surface. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because what I believe is that moms now are superhumans. They're doing what has never been done, and I think people we should give them a chance because before there was not a lot. You just stayed in the house. The one person can afford to just go to work, so it made sense. Yeah, you know, and for me, I feel like a lot of the time when some people thought, oh, let me stay at home, I'm thinking this current society or era that we're in doesn't accommodate for you to stay at home. You know, sometimes if, if you know, if you want to stay at home, stay at home. But when I even look at my daughter, she can do a lot on my phone. Yeah. And I feel like if I'm not well learned and I'm not well exposed, she can have one up on me the way I have one up on my mom oh, and you might have one yeah, up on your absolutely. mom. And I look at my daughter and I'm thinking, in five years' time, she could be coding. 
maybe now in a few years time you rather than putting a password in you code your password in yeah. and she could be coding things and i'll be like oh my god what are you doing i'm coding my phone <laughs> do you know what i mean like coding I'll, you know and i think and i think because of that we need women to be at work it's an economic thing it's not a social thing anymore we need women to be at work and, and even just what you just said about management position i've come to realize that in some era like i don't know if you know um Cheryl Sandberg yes. I don't know if you read her book yeah, yeah. Clean In and some of the things that she says I'm thinking maybe this is why some companies are so rigid because the person has we don't have the women in the boardroom to make these decisions no you, you're absolutely spot on and, and I mean even to a certain extent some of the conversations that I have with what you would consider to be very high up people within organisations it's almost like they're indoctrinated to speak in a male voice yeah and I just think that you kind of you're losing such a wonderful essence of humanity and that we we are all different yeah we need to encompass all types we need to encompass um people from completely different backgrounds people yeah. from different way of living to, to have that variety and I just think that women should be allowed to be women men should be allowed to be men, men. let's just embrace everybody I mean we I suppose we're in a fortunate position at this company in that you've got Lee and I are you know, co-founders. Yeah. You know, we, we're both strong people in our own right. Yeah. Um, so that means 50% of the management, if you want to call it, is female and 50% is male. But that means underneath us, we've got a natural split between the two sexes, mm. which is, not, you don't see that very often. Yeah. So I think it's really important that those positions at that high level should be open equally to both male and female. Mm. Um, to enable that diversity to sort of filter down because it all starts at the top. Yeah. You know, companies that complain that they're not diverse enough, they should really look at their board. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And see who sits on that. Yeah. So what we'll do, we'll come back and then we'll start talking to Teresa a lot more about, you know, recruitment and the world of technology because a lot of our listeners, Teresa, we really want them to understand that this is a world that's open. This is a world that is opportunity and this is a world that's emerging you know i still say if i didn't come across you i could just still be in retail or just being doing receptionist but and also it's about challenging those status quo like you might think i can't code i can't do it but there's other things you can do like you just said you you started gathering information and people went off and did the tech there are roles like that that i think it's called technology lead and then your role is to sit there and understand because i know don't worry guys we'll come back we'll come back here (laughs) back so um we're just going to start talking a little bit more about um the tech world and recruiting and stuff and i think what i'm going to do is ask Teresa to probably just tell us what she does i know we could have done that at the beginning but i just think it'll be quite nice what you what you do in terms of Teresa's really lucky she works with her husband <laughs> yeah and they have a, a i don't even want to call it a recruitment company but it is a recruitment company but it's different it's it's much more like really intimate. It's not like the high street. It's very specialized. I've they've given me a job. Um, so maybe tell us what you do. 
just briefly and then we can then start going into if anybody wants to get into the technology world how can they yeah well exactly that really um so we are a recruitment company there's no other way to to spin it we that's what we do we introduce individuals who are looking for work uh, with companies that are looking for people with skills we have recruited people that have come from no technology background it's literally their first job all the way up to people who've been working in the industry for you know absolutely years at sort of ceo levels or cto mm. levels um so we we cross the whole spectrum ultimately it's about the technology um you know i think hopefully it comes across in earlier that we're very passionate about the technology and we're very passionate about working with people and for us it's about finding the absolute best match both for the company and for the individual yeah. um but i mean technology this, the sector as a whole is an absolutely amazing place to work i mean technology is just always evolving it's always changing and that because of that rapid change it there are so many opportunities out there for people um and particularly with things like cloud technology as well where um you know, you've got a company that have got the latest cloud technology and, you know, every six months you're having a new release, there's new shiny toys to play with or new functionality. So they need to get people back in to, to update it and upgrade it. And I think because of that, technology is such a buoyant um, market to, to be working in. I'd push any of my nieces, nephews and godchildren, the many that we have, um, to go into a technology position because... Mm. I mean, you can't say it's 100% safe, but in, in the years that we've been working in technology, it's always going to reinvent itself. Yeah. You know, technology is not going away, yeah. let's face it. Yeah. Um, so if you can get yourself into into that as a, a, you know, a job, then absolutely go for it. And the beauty of it, there's so many varied roles. You don't necessarily need to be a hardcore coder. Mm. You know, they're, they're, they need people that can manage projects. You need people that can go out and do requirements gathering. Mm. I mean, talking to people isn't necessarily easy. Questioning people is even harder. Um, you, you've got people that are admins, like I was, the super yeah. user and things like that. So there are so many jobs out there that even if you're sitting there shaking, thinking there's no way yeah. I could be a developer, there would be something for you. Okay. So when you recruit mm-hmm. um, for candidates, for instance, what types of skills are you looking for? Like, for instance, like when you recruit someone? Yeah, I mean, it really does depend on, um, I suppose, the client, really, because yeah. they drive what skills you're looking for. Yeah. So ultimately, if they're, if they're looking for graduates, then we'd go out and look for people yeah. that are very new to the industry. If they're looking for developers, we'd go out and look for people with software development skills. Quite a few instances, we'll get some clients, particularly with startups. I mean, that that's a fantastic opportunity right there. Startups. Startups, yeah. Um, is that you, you often get clients go to, uh, you know, they, they want somebody with X, Y, and Z skills, but they know they can't afford those level of salaries. Could you go and get me somebody that they can train up? So, um, yeah, it's very much driven by the, the client. So you would advise somebody maybe to look at startups? Even, is it like volunteering? No, I mean, it doesn't always have to be. I mean, it, you can have, um, I suppose, startups who might... I mean, the beauty of a startup, okay, is that because of the very nature of them, they don't have big budgets to go out and recruit loads of people. Mm. So what they'll be looking for are people that, have, again, got the right attitude. They want to come on board. They want to learn. They want to sort of dip their toe in different areas. They want to be the project manager. They want to do the requirements gathering. May even get their hands sort of dirty with coding and stuff like that. Um, but the beauty of it is those opportunities are much more available within startup businesses mm. because they want people to do multiple roles. Mm. So the learning curve is amazing. 
absolutely yeah. amazing. And you get to find out the nitty gritty of how a business works. So yeah. if you're new to technology and you don't really know what the whole industry is about, if you can get your foot in the door of a startup, then actually you can find out about different areas of business and find your niche. You know, find the thing that gives you the, you know, the buzz in the morning to get yeah. you out of bed. So I always say startups are an amazing place um, to you know to, to start out in a career. Um, and then once you, you find your feet, you know what your soft spot is, you can start to work Moving your way around, up, yeah, yeah. move up the ladder, so to speak. Okay, so if you were just to, you know, you've put a lot of people in different roles, you know about industry. If you were to pick three job roles that you think anyone that doesn't know anything about technology, that wants to get into technology, could start with, what okay. would be the three? Yeah, so probably for people... Okay, so if we go for people perhaps English-orientated, yeah. so at school, very good in English, yeah. maybe, you know, not so bad at maths, but, I mean, you don't necessarily have to have good qualifications. Yeah. But just somebody who's got a good grasp of the English language, then I would probably... Um, say go into more of a soft skill role so something like an admin perhaps working up to uh, requirements gathering or what you would call as a consultant maybe mm-hmm. if somebody's pretty good with maths and maybe sciences then go go towards the route of development because um, you know if you've got that kind of logical mind you know that that's a good place to start and do as much research as possible mm-hmm. um, i know you deal with people that perhaps aren't fortunate enough that they're in a privileged position. So I, I'd say just get yourself down the library and do as much research. You can go in there, you can pick up books on coding, you can pick up books on how to do JavaScript, mm. you can use the computers, get online, have a look at um, some YouTube videos and stuff yeah. like that and just start practising. Yeah. Um, you know, a story that we have, I mean, obviously for data protection, I won't mention any names, um, but we had a, a young kid that approached us years ago who was looking for his first opportunity. And he'd done all of those things. He'd gone on YouTube, he'd gone to the library, borrowed books. He'd used his friend's PC to do a little bit of practice coding um, with Salesforce. He mm. downloaded one of the developer orgs, practiced building apps on that, and, and came to us. And his CV had nothing on there. He had yeah. no work experience. No, but he was willing to, to learn. Yeah, he was willing to learn it. He just was determined. He knew that he couldn't get a lot of money, but that was okay because the way he looked at it, it was living at home. So he wanted to work for nothing yeah. um, for the first sort of few months. And um, But what he had done outside of all of that, so once you stripped away the fact that he didn't have any work experience, he'd actually developed a website on force.com, wow. on the developer role. Wow. But he'd done that. It was all self-taught. It was books that he'd borrowed from the library. Yeah. It was, you know, forums that he'd gone on and spoken to people on yeah. forums about what could he do with the pieces of code and stuff. And he, we got him a job. Wow. You know, we actually got him a job. And now he's like, he started out on about 18, 19 grand. And he's probably on 35 to 40 grand only wow. a couple of years later. Wow. So there are fantastic opportunities out there yeah. just for people who are willing to, to make themselves busy and, you know, be a bit nosy and just yeah. ask questions and go out and do the research. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if, if I was going to pick the easy route to entry would be, you know, the admin side of things or the developer side. Really. Admin, okay. Okay, and um, just generally... What is the one advice you would give somebody in this in this in this industry? Because one thing you did say before that it, it's here to stay. Mm-hmm. It does change, but I've realized the change is not bad. The change is good. Oh, change is amazing. Because now we've gone into cloud, you know, and it just gets better. So, what would be even for me working in this space? Because I work in marketing, like I've said before, mm-hmm. I've realized that you've got to be very patient. 
That's yeah. what I mean, I've learned. You've got to be very patient. It's not just tick, let's go, it. No, if we did that, what's going to be the next bit? You know, yeah. what's going to happen if we press this button? And, you know, I've realised it's very, it, although it's a fast industry, yeah. I've realised that you have to be patient. You can't just click and go, you know, it has to be thought through and stuff. So what would you say from recruiting, from finding clients, from putting candidates, I'm sure you get a lot of feedback from candidates as well. What would you think the one advice or tip that you give to somebody that wants to get into this industry? Um, okay, for, for a moment, I'm probably going to put my coaching hat on. Because okay. um, I think over the years, we, we've seen many people go through the, the pain points of getting frustrated, that things aren't working out quite the way yeah. they want it to be. And I think, one for me, one of the key things is just understanding what you want from a job. Yeah. yeah. What is it that you're really, really looking for? You know, we've seen people job round, and when you peel away, you know, the feeling that they find, you think they're in a dead end job, and it's not going anywhere, and yeah. there's no opportunities. It all comes down to them not really knowing what they want. They don't know what they're looking for, yeah. and they've had brilliant opportunities come their way, but because they don't know what they're, they're looking for, they haven't recognised it when it's yeah. come along. Yeah. So I, I would always say it's just have a little bit of a plan. Yeah. You know what, what you want, know where you're going to go to yeah. and have options so that if plan A doesn't work, you've got plan B, B. plan C. Yeah. Um, but some idea of the direction that you're going in because it's much easier to recognise the opportunities when they come along. Yeah. And I think for me, over the years, that's the feedback that comes back time and time and time again. The guys that have got to absolutely where they want to be have always known where they want to go. Mm. And it doesn't have to be, we're not talking about a hard and fast plan here where yeah. you can't change yeah. it yeah it's just yeah I, I know what you mean I think what, what Teresa is saying is that you just need to know like where are you in the bigger picture you know yeah. there's nothing worse than being in the picture we don't know what you're doing there there's that, yeah, it's, I mean, it's that old lo- lovely little saying that you've probably heard, you know, it's better to sort of be halfway up the ladder if you want to climb than near the top of the one you don't want to climb. Yeah. And everybody is motivated by different things. Yeah. Um, and I think understanding what's going to motivate you, mm. even if you think it's a dead-end job. I mean, we had a situation um, recently where we had somebody come to us. They're actually paying incredibly well, but we thought they'd actually were in a you know, quite a dead-end job that it wasn't going anywhere. And actually, all of the opportunities that would have made them really, really motivated existed. They just weren't asking the right questions or having the right conversations with the right people. So they were working in a job that they were prepared to give up and, in theory, start all over again at another company. Mm. And all they had to do was go and sit down with their line manager and actually have that conversation with mm. them. And suddenly, all of those opportunities were there. Mm. But again, they couldn't see it because they, they didn't know where they were going. Um, so it's just a bit planning, really. Planning. Okay. Yeah. okay, so we're getting, we're getting to the end of the episode now, but we're going to come back and we're going to start talking to Teresa a little bit more about the career coaching and what she does. And um, personally, I really think this is a natural thing for Teresa because she doesn't, you know, she, she helped me at one point. But um, I think we will come back and we'll talk about that. we're back and this is the last segment for this episode and i'm still here with teresa <laughs> so teresa 
so now this is uh, this segment we're really going to focus more on talking about you know career um career coach career management and Teresa is actually you what was the course that you did so I uh, took a neuro-linguistic programming course, so oh. I am a practitioner of that and also a master practitioner. Oh, okay. So what does that mean to us? <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. In a nutshell. Um, In a nutshell. <laughs> it, it's about coaching people. It's about uh, techniques um, that you can use to help people with all sorts of things. It's not just career coaching. It's life coaching. Mm. It can be health coaching. It can certainly be career coaching. It can help people overcome limiting beliefs, you know, the things that they believe about themselves that hold them back from doing what they want to do. Mm. There's no, I mean, there's no trickery to it. Um, it is, I suppose, a methodology that is is recognised and known to have really good results. Lots mm. of top sports personalities use it to get better performance. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's coaching. It's coaching. <laughs> okay, so where at what point do you think someone may need coaching? Is it because I always thought like maybe coaching is something that older people... Uh, no, I mean, uh, uh, some people get, uh, I suppose might get slightly confused between coaching and mentoring. Um, so coaching is about helping someone to, to implement the know-how. Mm. So say, for example, if you took somebody on, they're brand new to a job. Mm. They don't know how to do that job. You have to teach them yeah. how to do it. Yeah. But then if somebody can't put that teaching into practice, that's when a coach might step in mm. and actually help them to be able to implement that training. Mm. Um, mentoring is more often associated with people a little bit later on in life because mm. they're talking from life experience and actually they can talk to people and help them work through situations, um, describe their, um, you know, the, the situations they've been in, things to avoid and things work well, that kind mm. of thing. Um, so for me, I, I say coaching can be used at any point, okay. certainly within a career. Um, and it's something that you can switch on and off. So you mm. don't always need to have a coach. Um, so, you know, the instances where coaches work really well is when people haven't quite got a clear idea of what they want. So going okay. back to those people maybe that are in a dead-end job who don't actually have a plan. Yeah. Coaching can actually draw that level of questioning out. And to be honest, having been through coaching myself, because this is how I got into it, is that quite a number of years ago, I got myself a business coach. Mm-hmm. And the level of questions that they ask you is not something that you can ask yourself. And believe me, there are always surprises. Really? Um, you know, you discover things about yourself. Uh, for one that I mentioned to you before we started recording, is my imposter syndrome. Mm. You know, I, I've Flitted my way through management jobs for, for quite a number of years. I actually didn't think I was that good at it. Mm. Um, and that was a bit of a limiting belief that I've got mm. on myself. Because actually, when I've gone through the coaching, I've realised how much of a good impact I'd had on people over the years. Yeah. Um, so coaching can be used to help people that got blockers. It can be great for goal setting. Like what yeah. you really want. Yeah. Identifying really what's important to you. Yeah. And that changes throughout life. You know, having a child, getting divorced maybe, getting married. Yeah. Um, deaf in the family, all of that can change what you value in life. Okay. Um, and coaching is there to, to help identify all of that and help people if they've got limiting beliefs. Okay, so does it also help with an execution point of view? Because, like, what about if you're somebody <laughs> that has a lot of things in your head? Yeah. Can coaching really help you bring those things out? And 
Oh, God, without a doubt. Um, so, I mean, it works incredibly well with people that have got busy minds mm. um, in that you can draw it out, you can find out what are the most important things. And it, it can even just set some really strong goals around it. I mean, sometimes people have ideas, you know, they're not all going to be good. Mm. And it enables you to be able to pick and wheedle out the ones that are good or not so good. Okay. So, um, yeah, coaching's amazing so, for that. If we had two scenarios, so we have someone that maybe they want to get into management role, mm-hmm. for instance. You know, they yeah. they make good money, yeah. but they want to get into management role. We, we said involves managing people. So if you don't yeah. want to manage people, then probably not. But let's just say you want to get to that next level. Like if you want to that point where there's just a hump. Yeah. What are the just simple things that you think maybe by having a career coach could help you rein that in? Oh, wow. Um, well, I mean, I think through coaching, you actually learn to become a much better communicator, which is absolutely vital when you think mm. about working with people. Um, most conflict arises through miscommunication. Most things go wrong through miscommunication. Most problems occur usually through miscommunication. So I think having a coach can actually help you to identify and relate to people better. Um, and there's also some very simple techniques that you can use. And, and this might even go back to your, um, uh, you know, the, the previous section when we were talking about people getting into jobs for, you know, uh, an industry that have not worked in before. There's a little exercise that you can do that's called modelling. Modelling. Modelling excellence. Modeling. So if you're a, you know, you're an aspiring manager, but you don't know how to be a manager yet. There's, uh, you know, there's a way of just modelling someone who does what you do or want to do really oh, well. Okay. And you just get under the skin of why do they do what they do, how do they do it, what they're thinking, what they're feeling when they're doing it. Mm. And just by understanding them, it enables you to, um, you know, change your behaviours so that actually you can take on board. Mm. If, you, if you think about it, every child models the world around them when they're growing up. Yeah. You learn to work, walk by copying people walking, yeah. you learn to talk by copying other yeah. people talk. As children, we've all sat there at the dining room table and you're having a mouthful of soup and your little daughter or son yeah. or whoever it is, they're copying you doing that thing. So it's we kind of we shut off from that as we get older. Yeah. It's kind of hooking back into that and saying, do you know what, there's somebody that does what yeah. I want to do really yeah. well. I'm going to figure out how they do it and just do it myself. And I really think you're right because I spoke for a lady and... She really did my head in, the way she did things. Everything was list, 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 and order, order, order. And we actually got a lot done yeah. that way. And I found myself, I do that now. Yeah. I literally stole that from her. That's fine. Like when I want to be efficient, when I want to make sure that this is done, I become this person. I'll yeah. call their name Jane. I become Jane. Well, you were doing that without even realising yeah. you were doing it. So. But, I, but it was a... I, I just do it. So I, I, I think you're right. Yeah. You're right. Um, also, what about if you're in a dead-end job? So for trying to get into management, you would say modelling. Modelling, trying to look at what... Um, I think any job that you want to get into where... Um, I mean, okay, there, there needs to be a level of skill there. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. We're just we're just we're just touching the surface because of course if people do need this type yeah. of insight, I've never heard of this model anything no, before. But I mean, certainly, if if you're in a position now and you're thinking I, I want to get to the next level, yeah. but I don't quite know how to do it, yeah, is go out and speak to the people that are in the job that you actually want. LinkedIn. Yeah, absolutely. LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Go onto forums. You go to Facebook groups. You can get on Twitter. 
you know, and just ask them, what is it that you do? Why mm. do you do it? How do you do it? Mm. Um, you know, ask yourself, who do you know that mm. does what you want to yeah. do? Yeah. Ideally, if you can get get them in the room and have a conversation yeah. with them. But you know what? I mean, as, as humans, we love we love to talk about ourselves. Yeah. Just get yourself on a forum and start asking questions, mm. and you'll be amazed at what answers Ooh, you get back. Okay. Okay. Um, also, just before we round off, could you maybe tell us the service that you offer and just maybe some of the things that you can help with yeah. if anybody's interested? So I, I since 2014, I've been coaching now. Mm. Um, and pretty much what I offer is performance coaching, business coaching, career coaching, lifestyle coaching. Um, it, it's about modelling excellence. It's also about overcoming limiting beliefs. Um, I can help people with things like, you know, how to prepare for presentations how to you know build confidence um all sorts of things really how mm. to be better parents better managers better mothers you know and so yeah. on um so yeah it's uh, coaching it's, it's the good beauty of coaching it's, it's not just stuck in one area yeah. it can cover lots of things um but yeah i mean i suppose the, the area that i do the most work in is work and career coaching yeah. and performance coaching okay so if you do need to get to Teresa, just drop me a line and I'll pass on the right information. Um, I think one more thing I wanted to ask you, or well, three more things actually, oh. but we're getting to the end of it, is, you know, you've, you know, I have been having a really great time talking to you from deciding not to go to university, working in a shop, knowing that you like tech, starting this business with your husband almost 10 years, yes. managing people, helping people, just in your experience, so for me, just the little world that I've had so far, one of the things I would advise anybody that I stand by is work hard. Yes. I It's just my own personal yeah. thing. I feel like I've gotten by by working hard. Yeah. But there's other things that I could say. So if you had to pick one thing just from everything that you've done so far and just yeah. from experience because you would have had to speak to VPs, different levels from... Yeah up there to down there to the middle to people like me whatever what's that one thing that you can say look do this and you might be on the right track do you know what for me it's taking absolute responsibility um you know it's easy to blame other people when things don't go right it's easy to blame external influences when things don't go right but hand on heart, you are in control of yourself. You know, mm. you are the hero of your own story. So mm. just don't be the victim. Mm. So I would always say just take absolute responsibility for everything you do. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is so true. Because that's one of the hardest things to do, you know. It is. And it's, sometimes it's not easy. You know, sometimes it makes you want to curl up in a ball. You can't. But pick yourself up. Dust yourself off because no one's going to make the change for you. Yeah. So just take responsibility yeah. and just, you want it, you make it happen. Mm. Okay, I think that's right. Yeah. And you know what? Just because you say that, it just reminds me of Serena, you know, because, you know, this past week she's had a lot of issues. Yeah. And it's, you know, I watched that clip and it's, oh, yeah. this woman is this, is this. And I'm thinking, mm, yeah. But this gentleman, the way you've spoken to him is vile. You know, and it... It could have been handled better. It could have been handled better, but it's taking responsibility for... Yeah, yeah, I'm going to hold on to that one. Thank you for that. So, another thing I wanted to ask you, two things, is um, on the CHT, we talk a lot about underdog, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. So, I would love to know, 
what does the word underdog, what does it mean to you? That's a really good question, actually. I'd probably say underdog to me is just somebody who hasn't realised their own potential yet. Mm, mm. Because I think we could fall into the category I think the underdog label is given by somebody else. Yeah. But do you know what? You are only an underdog if you think you're an underdog. Yeah. You don't have to think like that. Yeah. And I think it has a spin on it anyway. But And then would you say, well, probably, would you say you're an underdog or you've been an underdog? Okay, so if we're going to put, again, if we're going to put the label on it, yeah, I probably didn't come from the most privileged background mm. at all. Um, you know, I didn't go to university. I get that was my choice, so I take responsibility <laughs> for that because, you know, we're here, we're, we're doing that. Um yeah, so I probably would say it was a, It could be perceived as an underdog position, yeah. but I don't think I would have ever thought of myself like that. Yeah. Um, again, I think when I was younger, I had a fairly difficult background, mm. um, but I knew quite early on that I was in charge of my own destiny yeah. and I could yeah. change that if I wanted. Okay, thank you for that. And the only reason why we always ask that is because for me personally, my take on it is that even if you're an underdog, whether it's a bad thing or a good word, I believe that an underdog always wins. You know, like, the, or if, any, if anybody ever says, oh, look at those people, they, they would never amount to nothing. Those people that people say that to, when you look at it, it's always the people that are doing extraordinary stuff. You know, when you look at stories of some of these success people that we look at, it's, I used to walk miles with no shoes on. Yeah. I, we used to eat out of the bin. You know, some of the stories yeah, yeah. That I've heard. And for me, I believe that the underdog, even if you see yourself as a underdog, if someone calls you an underdog, you must deliver. You will come and conquer, you know. Yeah. So that's the way I look at it. The thing is, you're only whatever you tell yourself. Yourself, yeah. That's the thing. Because, yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost like it sticks and stones don't hurt me. Yeah, yeah words and all that don't hurt me if you start to believe it about yourself that's when you become the underdog so for me it's about whatever you tell yourself is the absolute truth and if you're telling yourself you're the underdog you're going to be the underdog because your brain can't compete it in any other way yeah um and yeah people by and large they will come good but you have to realize it's not an easy road Mm. and i think people uh, sometimes give up too soon. Yeah. You know, you might have to try. I mean, was it Tom, Thomas Edison, whoever invented the light bulb? Ten thousand yeah. attempts yeah. at yeah. inventing it, and each time it was just an opportunity to learn from his mistakes last time. So mm. you just have to keep going. Eventually, mm. you will get there. Okay. Well, I've come to the end. Oh, I'm so sad. <laughs> thank you so much um, for coming on, and thank you for just sharing some of your golden nuggets. And and this is what this is about. It's about me sharing some of the people I, just, I I feel selfish you know emailing you and you helping me it's you, other people need to need to need you've to. given me something in return as well though, oh so. god i hope so i hope so but um, thank you so much um so guys thank you so much for listening to this episode of dcht um and i look forward to seeing you next week or speaking to you next week um like i always say I really don't know what you're going through in your personal life, in your career, in anything that you're doing. But one of the things that I do and I try my best to do is just keep going, keep going. You know, pick up that book, read it, call that person, just do something, you know, keep going. And your big break is around the corner. Thank you. Hi, guys. Thank you for listening to Deborah's Corporate Hard Talk. You can connect with me on Instagram at Deborah's Hard Talk or you can visit my website www.debra.tech and to get involved in any of the conversations, 
hashtag Deborah's Hard Talk. Thank you and goodbye until next time.